Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everybody. Go to strengthguild.com, S-T-R-E-N-G-T-H-G-U-I-L-D.com. Scroll down to the Iron Radio Collections, and we've got new shirts and new banners for you to support the show. Everything from just a regular banner, regular shirt, to ones with sayings on them, like Lonnie's Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree shirt. And some news for you, we're going to have some contests for people who own these shirts and things. So if you support the show, we'll let you more on that later. So if you get in on these early, you can be one of the first people to win some prizes. So, thank you very much. Go check out the site, strengthguild.com. Scroll down to Iron Radio Collections and support the show. Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist, and I'm a licensed nutritionist, uh, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. This is Phil Stevens. I'm a powerlifter, strength coach, uh, apparently a hiker. We went and spent a week on the Appalachian Trail. And, awesome. Uh, yeah, just having a good time. Nice. <clears throat> This is Dr. Mike G. Nelson, uh, creator of the Flex Diet Cert and the Physiologic Flexibility Cert and Associate Professor at the Kerrig Institute. All righty. Phil, what about your uh, your trip here? I mean, did that, um, was it, a, is it going to be a bonus for your training, like just recovery and cardio kind of thing and just physical activity, or is it going to beat you up so you have to rest before you go back to the gym? No, we got back, when did we get back? Late Tuesday night. And so I haven't trained since I got back, but I'll go in and squat today. Um, my hips and stuff were a little beat up. My knees mainly, <clears throat> but that was jumping from boulder and boulder and stuff. I did eat shit one time. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was climbing a mountain stream and I was jumping from boulder to boulder like I was 20 years old again. I hit one that was slippery and pulled a face planted right into a mountain stream that was like 37 degrees. Uh, but, I'll wake uh, you up. <laughs> But other than that, it was good. I mean, the only I'm, – I'm getting some compartment syndrome in my left leg, the leg they took a couple veins out of to replace my femoral artery. Mm. That's it. But, I mean, basically, I just shake it out, and I'm good. Uh, the hip replacement did fine. Uh, <clears throat> you know, there was maybe a little aching. But uh, other than that, I mean, my knees just kind of – when you're coming down a mountain, that seems to yeah. be the worst. The eccentric uh, loads. Yeah. Going up wasn't bad, and my cardio was fine. Um like I said, the only thing that happened is that my left calf just, it's like, it locks up. It's like a horrible muscle pump because the restricted blood flow. Right. That. But uh, I just stop for a second, shake it out, and I'm good. Mm-hmm. So, no, we just relaxed, man. It was just relax and have a good time. I just I cut a bunch of wood, climbed mountains, you know, stayed active the whole time. Yeah. So, I mean. Got your GPP in. Yeah, I didn't need to right. train. I didn't want to train. It's good to take a, <laughs> you know, it's, it's good to take a break. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I came back and signed up for a meet. So I got a nice. meet in November. November, nice. Going to Columbus, Ohio to lift in November. Awesome. Try and yeah. drag Windler out of his cave. There you go. Come yell at me. Yell insult at me and tell me right. how I am. <laughs> you know, maybe I'll come down for you know, that's yeah. It's only two hours for me. Yeah. You know, maybe I'll come go on down there. <clears throat> Sounds good. 
All right. Um, I only have two pieces of uh, research to talk about today in the in the science news. After the break, everybody, we're going to talk about um, a recent buy and why. Uh, fitness, food, things that we've purchased recently. Um, Mike and Phil for their fitness, you know, facilities. Me just for my, you know, home gym stuff. I just bought a bunch of stuff actually. Um, I don't know. And maybe you can pick up some ideas. I might even put some links to the stuff that I just bought on Amazon. I, I poked around and these were sort of my best guesses and we're going to see. Um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, food and fitness purchases and why. That's what we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. um, this first piece of science, Phil, kind of goes back to what you were saying with the uh, blood flow and whatnot. Strength and muscle sport news. Um, I'm curious to see what Mike says about this as well, because I've always been a little bit down on nitrite intake, you know, like preserved hot dogs and bologna and things like that. I, I was always worried that nitrites were related to uh, stomach cancer. I've read stuff like that in the past. And now not to be confused with nitrate. Uh, my understanding is you get a lot of nitrate intake from actual vegetables. But anyway, this is uh, the title of this is gut reaction, habitual dietary nitrate intake as a modulator of skeletal muscle contractile function. Hmm. So this is the Journal of Nutrition. This is, this is just the commentary. It's not the main article. Uh, this is from Yates and uh, Coggin. Hmm. But it says, specific nutrients are needed to promote and maintain numerous biochemical processes in skeletal muscle across a wide range of physical activity durations and intensities. Uh, over the last decade, considerable attention has been given to diets high in nitrate so NO3 minus, right, uh, from either green leafy veg or beetroot juice supplements. Um, dietary nitrate enhances the bioavailability uh, of uh, NO, essentially, right, a, a well-known vasodilator there. Um, what they did was, they, they're just exploring here, it says the effects of dietary nitrate on skeletal muscle contractile properties uh, have gained attention over the last five years, especially in the context of healthy aging. I'm going somewhere with this. Specifically, it has been demonstrated that an acute dose of dietary nitrate increases maximal knee extensor angular velocity and power in both older men and women. So l literally an acute dose, eat some nitrate, hmm. you know, more powerful uh, knee extension kind of thing. Uh, again, in older men and women. So it says, in the current issue, Sim et al. have extended their previous findings investigating the relationship uh, between habitual dietary nitrate intake and muscle function in both women and men um, and the potential influence of physical activity on this relationship. So I'm just going to cut to some of the basic findings here. The key novel findings from this study were as follows. One, participants who consumed the highest amount of dietary nitrate were more physically active than lower dietary nitrate consumers. Two, higher dietary nitrate consumers demonstrated superior muscle function compared to low dietary nitrate consumers. That's interesting. Um, three, uh, optimal function was demonstrated at about 90 milligrams per day. So they go on to kind of conclude here. Um, this provides intriguing new evidence supporting a link between dietary nitrate intake and muscle contractility. Hmm. Just very interesting to me, right? With all the vasodilator uh, supplements out there and all that kind of stuff, then, um, you know, 
Wait, so you, you, you know, they're suggesting you could, if you ate enough green leafies or, mm-hmm. you know, beetroot juice or supplements with nitrate, you're going to get more powerful muscles. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> now, again, you got to be careful. Some of this is an older folks, of course, and they might have declining um, muscle function, but it does make me think about aging powerlifters, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Um, Mike, have you read anything about nitrate or nitrite lately? Or what's your view on that whole nitric oxide angle? Um, I guess it depends on the person's goal. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's one of those things that's interesting. It's been around for quite a while. And yeah, I mean, ideally, for listeners, you want local vasodilation. Um, So a lot of these supplements that are supposed to you know, massively vasodilate everything, you would be a puddle on the floor face mm-hmm. down. So <laughs> if you've, we did an experiment once where we had a, did a flow meter dilation. We were looking at vessel function and we had to compare it to a chemical dilator. So normally what we do is you occlude the forearm for five minutes, you image a vessel in the upper arm, and then you, boom, you hit a pedal, you let the occlusion go. So the cup opens, you get a massive amount of blood flow that rushes in. We see shear stress on the vessel wall that causes the vessel to dilate. And under ultrasound, then you can measure the static to the difference between them. And so for one of the studies, we had to compare it to a chemical dilator, uh, which is nitroglycerin. So I was one of the people in the study before we helped with it. And so I got nitroglycerin uh, laying in a hospital bed there. And yeah, you could just feel your pressure drop. Like oh. if the fire alarm went off, I would have been face down on the floor. I would have been mm-hmm. nowhere. <laughs> and then five minutes after that, I got just a crushing headache. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, you want a local effect, which might be possible. Um, there's some interesting studies on uh, beetroot as a source of um, nitrates. But the hard part is that... it almost every single one that I found and someone can probably write in with an exception, they're not standardized. <clears throat> so you don't know how much is actually in there because I bought some recently and I, I tried it again and I don't know, I didn't notice a difference, but I'm starting to get to the point now where my poo is turning red and I'm not sure how much higher I want to go on the dose. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there used to be some old supplements that, uh, before they kind of pulled them off the market, which I think may have had to do with a patent and FDA and a whole bunch of other monkey motion. But there was uh, nitrate that they had bonded to other compounds. And I think you can still find them. Uh, but the early versions tended to work really well. I've tried some of the newer versions, and I don't notice a huge difference with them. Um, but the ones, for whatever reason, that you can't find anymore, uh, they seem to work quite quite well. So I think there's something there, but I haven't seen the study looking at acute changes in speed and power, which is super interesting. Yeah. Uh, In fact, that's why I mentioned it depends on the goal, right? Mike, I remember you and I were experimental biology, and we said this before on the show, but for new listeners, a lot of people are taking this stuff with this kind of uh, tangential idea that, oh, if I increase blood flow, I'll be more anabolic. Right, yeah, that, with that really. kind of idea, and I remember we were watching this talk where they, sort of like your situation, they massively vasodilated people with sodium nitroprusside. Um, there's no question their vascular beds were open. 
no difference in, in muscle protein synthesis, right? Unless there was also the right hormonal and nutrient milieu, but the, the vasodilation itself um, didn't do anything. And I mean, it, this was on a scale, a, a pharmaceutical scale, oh, yeah. and it mm-hmm. still didn't still didn't trigger anabolism. But yeah, here they're saying like almost immediate effects on muscle strength and power, especially as you age. So, I mean, like everything we do, we can speculate on this show here, but I just think this is very cool. It, in, in one way, it, it speaks to the wisdom of Phil that like, you know, even when you bulk, you do eat your green leafies, you do eat your yeah. veg and all this kind of stuff, and then you layer the calorie junk on top of it, but you're still getting you know some of these dietary components that are just going to help with muscle strength yeah you know so uh anyway so that was pretty interesting um a little bit about yeah literally like not just acute but also chronic intake right habitual intake and what what it might be doing for muscle strength and power uh as you age so i thought that was cool um this next one uh, I don't want to say it's more interesting to the women, but it might be not because they used women, but because it's about iron. So um, the title of this is short-term periods of strenuous physical activity, lower iron absorption. This is by Gary Brittenham, American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. Uh, This was actually from February of this year, but it says uh, in this issue of AJCN, Hennigar and colleagues report a meticulously designed controlled investigation with the overall finding that strenuous physical activity decreases iron absorption compared to rest um, as assessed using stable isotopes, stable iron-based isotopes. So it says just briefly, 10 volunteer healthy active-duty military personnel uh, completed randomized crossover design involving two 72-hour periods of simulated sustained military training operations. So um, probably not that different from what you might have been doing, you know, running Mm -hmm. around, jumping in boulders, all the things they're doing. But this is more sustained. 60 to 120-minute steady-state exercise bouts uh, that led to a high energy expenditure of five to 6,000 calories a day. So this is hardcore training. Yeah. It says each 72-hour activity phase was followed by a seven-day recovery period during which the volunteers got controlled diets to maintain energy balance, you know, replenish glycogen, that sort of thing. Um, this is what caught my eye because I measured some of this in my dissertation years ago. But the study hypothesized that repeated muscular contractions during strenuous physical activity would result in an inflammatory increase in plasma IL-6. So if people aren't familiar, right, interleukin-6 is one of those catabolic and inflammatory immune uh, substances. Anyway, th- that in turn would stimulate hepatocytes to produce uh, hepcidin, which is a systemic regulator of iron homeostasis. And let me just kind of cut to the chase. The idea then is that this would decrease iron absorption by obstructing transport of iron from uh, duodenal enterocytes, right, so intestinal cells, into your plasma. Um, During both episodes of strenuous physical activity, IL-6 increased and iron absorption decreased when compared to the initial rest day. And of course, there's more to it than this, but it does make me wonder that, uh, and the reason I mentioned women is it makes me wonder that more women than men have anemia, right, because they lose 
blood every month with their menstrual cycle, and men don't have that. If anything, most men, iron builds up on us between you know teen years and maybe your 30s. Um, in fact, it's one of the reasons I regularly donate blood. I do it to help people, but I also do it for my own sake. Um, but yeah, this is interesting, right? Because like Phil, if you have somebody comes into your gym and she's like, I'm struggling with anemia, and I can tell you as a nutritionist, it's hard to get people back into a good iron status if they're full-blown anemic. I don't, I don't, you know, like literally the red count is down. It's not just, um, you know, like a serum ferritin issue, but they're full-blown anemic. Then they're training their ass off in your gym. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking, oh, crap, is this going to prevent them from absorbing iron, you know, so they yeah. can rebuild? I, I don't know. Does, have you ever spoken to women, Phil, that uh, complain about fatigue or anemia or not as much? Yeah, I've dealt with a few that had it, <clears throat> and like even to the point they had to, <clears throat> you know, go to a, a, a clinical setting and get things fixed. And, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it can be a problem. Um, and I try and just get people to eat plenty of red meat you know yeah and then women like uh, an easy one is use a cast iron pan as much as you can you know <laughs> and things like that that's mm-hmm. supposed to give you some iron and and things like that but yeah i mean it's big the energy thing is probably the biggest they'll just be wore out yeah. um so and it, that's the noticeable thing and it's just go get your blood tested it's a pretty simple test you know, right oh yeah few, it costs you a few dollars at least then you know yeah. So you could even yeah. just go to the Red Cross to donate and they'd be like, oh, your hemoglobin yeah. is too, too low. We can't exactly. take your sample, you know, yeah. Um, so. yeah, because medical testing is absurd uh, yeah. cost wise. Um, I don't I, I'm not dissuading people from going to get medical attention, but yeah, but, um, I personally. Yeah, I don't I don't do explorational blood draws <laughs> mm-hmm. like you said for something that simple. I guess you yes. could go to the Red Cross and, you know. And yeah, oftentimes they'll just use that little hema cue and they'll, they'll tell you, oh, your hemoglobin's, you know, 14, honey, you're fine, you know, to donate that kind of thing. Fatigue, what cold intolerance, people have the chills, they're pale. Um, yeah. And, and it can be a challenge. You don't just eat some meat and then two weeks later, oh, I'm not anemic anymore. The mm-hmm. time frame can be frustrating months long, um, I've seen some data that uh, women in the U.S. from different minority groups, black women, Hispanic women, they might have uh, more prevalence of anemia uh, and that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I agree with you. Like if you're just eating meat, that's heme iron. That's like Mm -hmm. 30 or 40 percent absorbed as opposed to non-heme iron from cereals and enrichment and plants. You might get a 5 to 9 percent absorption there. So if if you're a vegan – I, can, I imagine a lot of your ladies probably, uh, Phil, are not mm-hmm. vegan, but yeah, no. um, this is one of those things where it would add an extra challenge because mm-hmm. then you're, maybe you take vitamin C to enhance the absorption further. Um, yeah, but this was – I just thought this was interesting, right, because I don't know if you guys – you guys might have rare peaks where you're training your asses off for two hours straight, but day in and day out, um, yeah. Five to six thousand calorie output. That's huge. That's big. So yeah. It's Oof. yeah. It, it, this is extreme. Um, what about you, Mike? Any thoughts on iron anemia? Do you ever deal with it? Uh, does this concern you? <clears throat> that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's. I would say it's relatively commonish. So in females, if they're getting blood work, I always tell them go back to your doc and ask for, you know, the standard stuff: CBC with differential, CMP, and yeah. then. For women, I would almost always add an iron panel because mm-hmm. I think they're probably going to be low. 
guys I usually have mad an iron panel because they potentially are too high. Mm-hmm. And then usually with women, maybe maybe some thyroid stuff. That just depends upon how neurotic I think they are and <laughs> what other issues they have. Because mm-hmm. um, that can be a whole rabbit hole itself with your physician. Um, yeah, and then also if they're doing a ton of long distance running, especially if they see a huge uptick in volume, right? So they could be just crushing red blood cells under their heel too. So that could result in some some issues also. So looking at their training volume, what type of training they're doing, especially if it's running. And then I also do just simple nutrition logs like you guys talked about, looking at heme iron. Where do they uh, get sources from? How much iron are they at around daily? So if I'm starting to see that they're low, they don't eat a lot of red meat, maybe they're avoiding it for whatever reason, they have an increase in volume, especially if they start running and they feel low and tired. Yeah, all those are kind of hallmarks from like, yeah, talk to your doc about getting an, an iron panel in addition to other basic blood work. Right, yeah. Um, especially like <clears throat> the, the like worst case scenario for iron absorption would be, yeah, if I was working with a lady and she said, well, I'm fatigued, I'm cold intolerant, I, you know, you, you notice that she's kind of pale, um, yep. it's, you know, she's she's vegan. She eats a lot of soluble fiber, yeah. uh, phytates, uh, things that are going to block iron absorption, right? Because those things will do that. Um, and on the flip side, animal products, it's not just heme iron, of course, MFP factor. There's a lot of things that help absorb, you know, your body absorb that iron. Um, you're, yeah, I mean, there was one time in my life, I was actually low uh, serum ferritin, which is a, a sensitive hmm. test, right? Long before you get to anemia. Um, but it's because I was, I went through a period of about, oh, I don't know, it was six months to a year where my, almost exclusively, my protein intake was just from uh, dairy, right? Uh, milk, whey shakes, things like that. And I was donating blood every three months, right? Because the Red Cross, they get a hold of you, man, and they're vampires. They come back for more. <laughs> I mean, as soon as they can, it's not, they're not irresponsible, but, and then I'm like, I'm always fatigued and I had my blood checked and I'll be damned. I was low ferritin. So, um, it's possible in men if you're completely avoiding, um, meat. And for me, it was just convenience. I wasn't avoiding meat because I'm anti carnivore. I was avoiding meat because out of convenience, you know, I'm slamming protein shakes at work during, you know, 50 and 60 hour weeks kind of thing. Um, but on top of it, importantly, I was also donating blood very regularly. So I, I think I just drained myself. Uh, but it is something to think about. Um, less likely in the States, especially with men, uh, but at least there's a, you know, some scenarios for everybody. Yeah, and when you think about this inflammatory response with IL-6 and how that can lead to a cascade of even lower iron absorption, eventually over time you're going to get some erythropoiesis, I think, um, and we also have to be careful, too. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't at least bring up what you said, Mike, about heel strike hemolysis is a thing. Yeah. But, but then plasma volume expansion can lead to that yep. sort of pseudo-anemia. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm low hematocrit. It's like, well, your, your plasma volume's up about 10%, bro. You're training all the time. So it's a dilutional mm-hmm. thing. It's, it's not a low red cell mass uh, kind of thing. Um, Anyway, yeah, one, yeah, so. one side note on that, too, is that uh, sauna can increase plasma volume pretty effectively, especially if it's a new stimulus. Interesting. If you have someone who gets a sauna and they start going crazy with it, and that's the only change, and you see some weird 
bloodwork stuff, you may want to have it redone, like you said, after a couple of weeks, because you can get some pretty interesting plasma volume changes that can actually help with aerobic performance, too. Oh, I did not know that. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. Well, that's what I've got for uh, the science. There's a little analysis for everybody. Um, when we come back, we're just going to talk about a recent buy and why as far as fitness and kitchen equipment, whatever. So we'll be back. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, you know who this is. Uh, so I'm here to tell you about uh, Dr. Mike T. Nelson's uh, new book, uh, Why You Should Eat Keto. I don't do it because, I mean, look at me. Come on, I'm fabulous and I'm fantastic. Anyway, you should text uh, Keto ebook all in one word to 44222 to receive your free copy. Do it. Do it now. Iron Radio is, of course, primarily a podcast. Over the years, there have been technical glitches calling for backup streaming and listeners who wanted the convenience of other sources of audio content. Toward this end, Iron Radio is now simulcast and backed up on YouTube. If needed, please search Lawnman07 or Iron Radio from within YouTube. There's not much video, but if you like to listen through YouTube on a Roku or other living room device, there you go. Okay, listeners, after more than a decade of joining us on the podcast airwaves, you can now also become viewers on YouTube. This is not our usual simple backup of the audio show, but rather a growing body of video taste tests covering various foods of interest to nutrition enthusiasts, bodybuilders, and powerlifters. From within YouTube, simply search for Iron Radio Taste Test or Nutrition Radio Taste Test, in about 15 minutes, we cover taste and texture, similar to other products, uh, usefulness to the co-hosts, and whether we would recommend the product to certain clients. You may even want to watch our podcast feed or Facebook group for which products are coming down the pike so you can taste test them with us. Join us for this new monthly project. fix of iron radio in addition to being a popular institute on itunes we are also on email simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email you'll get a once per week email no more that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio so go for it <laughs> All right, everybody, we're back. It's um, Mike, it's Phil, and it's Lonnie, and we're going to talk about a recent fitness or food uh, purchase and why we did it, and maybe you can reflect on your own uh, situation in this regard. Um, Phil, you have a massive gym. Let's let's start with you. Like what um, – Maybe what did you start with, and then what's been recent? Like, you know, oh. I imagine it's more of a nuanced thing that's recent, or I don't know, maybe just an uh, upgrade. What did I start with? That's pretty simple. I mean, we—I literally started with one power rack, 
and that's about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> literally, for the first year, like I had people going to competitions, we floor pressed for all our benching, and it paid off. I mean, it worked well. We didn't even have a bench. Interesting. For, mm. And uh, so I had everybody floor press, and they got strong. And it's even to the point where I've gone back to some of that. Um, and then we just slowly grew. So I added on a cheap bench and then I bought an expensive bench. And then <clears throat> the next purchase after that was monolift and competition bench. And then it's just gone on and on from there. Lots of bars. Um, we were talking about this the other day though, as far as like, cause I'm getting more Olympic lifters now, specifically more, uh, young ladies. And so I'm needing to buy more 15 kilo mm. good weightlifting bars. And oddly enough, the best bars I've had are not the most expensive. Hmm. Uh, the ones that have lasted the most, I have two York uh, training bars, and they've both have a, they both have a decade in them and are, like, new. Aside from, oh. I mean, you look at them and you can tell they're used, but uh, they still work like new. So I'm buying hmm. more of those. They are considerably cheaper. I mean, they're still expensive. You get into those weightlifting bars, and you're sure. still talking four or $500. Yeah, oh. for a good bar, and you know, right now they're on sale. But uh, <laughs> um, that's my next purchase is another York women's bar. But uh, but they've te- they're time tested. I mean, like I can't argue with man. Ten years, nothing's still working, and we don't. It's not like it's not a personal use bar. You know, that's had hundreds oh, of people, right. <laughs> hundreds of people having daily abuse on this thing, and you know, I'll oil them three times a year. Uh, other than that. It's just left. So, uh, most recent purchase is probably a about a landmine attachment, and then uh, for that, also bought what they have. They market it as a land linebacker squat attachment for the landmine attachment. But you're able to do rows with it, squat with it, press with it. Uh, so it's a neutral grip press overhead, and you can load this thing. Uh, and that's been a good addition. I mean, I really like the. Uh, it's good on my shoulders. Uh, it's, you know, you're on a pivot point. So you do lose a little bit of that, the, the balance aspect of it. But uh, it's great for my shoulders. And you can do tons of stuff with it. So for a. Which brand did you get, Phil? I got the Titan Fitness one. Okay. Did it you was, like it? Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's yeah, I held got up. the original one. They redesigned it. And the original <laughs> and I, one. Not very good. The design uh, was too narrow. Someone gotcha. screwed that up, but I heard the new one is much better. No, it's nice. So we got the newer one, and yeah. I don't, I don't remember the width in between. But I mean, I'm not a small guy, and it's comfortable yeah. for me. And but sometimes I'll just press off the uh, the shoulder pads for the Viking squat, and I'll put my hands yeah. on there, and that's comfortable too. But uh, the only issue we had with it is one of the handles for doing bent over rows uh, stripped. But I mm. fix that. But I mean, for the price, I couldn't. <laughs> I can't harp too much. So it's been, and it takes a beating. Like I said, we're in a commercial area, so it's not like it. That probably wouldn't have happened if it was just one person in their garage. And so you know, we're talking tons of people using it. The only thing that I don't, I would say, don't get the stand. Uh, it's way short. And it mm. only goes so high. Like it only comes like three feet off the ground. It's like, I can't get under there. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, for it to balance you to load it, uh, it that needs reworked to be, uh, you know, it's made for eight year olds. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, other than that, uh, eight. 
you know, it's it's a good piece of equipment. That's a, that's our latest purchase. And like I said, I'm going to get some more bars, but that's that's usually my purchases now are I, I don't need any more big equipment. It's more bars and more weights. So because right. very barbell based, and then you know we'll make more sandbags and more stones and more kegs and things like that. But that stuff's fairly inexpensive, you know. I'll buy a right. keg for fifty dollars and fill it with concrete or whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's about okay. it for us. Yeah, you know the whole landmine thing. I'm almost curious to get something like that just for my home setup because I, like you, I I basically just got a, a medium range power rack, <laughs> you know, and I got a utility bench and a barbell. <laughs> so I I am I do miss like. Honestly, some of your guys might laugh about this, but I like leg presses, especially with my bad knee, my left knee. I'd yeah. like to have that option to mix in and not just squat every freaking time. I don't like lunges. Um, yeah, maybe I should, but I, you know, so for me, it's almost exclusively with the home lifting. It's just barbell squat, you know, stiff leg deadlifts and things like that. Yeah. Um, as far as, as far as the, uh, what you're talking about with like the whole uh, landmine idea, in the past, I've done like um, – well, you could tell me where this is wrong, right? But it, I, I would even throw a heavy mat in the corner uh, mm-hmm. of the room and just jam the barbell in there and do oh, like yeah. my bent rows like mm-hmm. that. I mean yeah. – same thing. I mean, poor man's idea. option, you know? Because um, yep. it, it is nice to get that little bit of like, yeah, rotational kind of thing instead of just doing a bent row in the middle of the room. I mean that's – I like those. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's nice to be able to do something like just put one of the V-shaped handles, you know, um, on the over the end of a forty-five pound bar and just do poor man's, um, you know, bent rows like that, angular mm-hmm. bent rows, if you will. Um, yep. Yeah. If you like bent rows, one thing I got recently, and I've had two of my clients pick it up. It's from uh, Black Widow Training Gear. It's the thick multi-grip uh, T-bar attachment. So it's a long pipe, and then it's got uh, different neutral grip points on it. So you can do wide, you could do neutral grip, you could do palms up, you could do palms down. And it feels really good off of a landmine. And I mm-hmm. like it because you can do, like for you, for like kind of bodybuilding stuff, Lonnie, you can do mechanical drop sets. So you can start super wide, and then you can go narrow, or you can change your grip and... You don't have to change the load on it just by changing the leverage by just moving your hands to a new position. You can get a fair amount of, you know, drop set type uh, work in. And it feels pretty good, too. I, I really like it. Hmm. What about um, a, a recent purchase, fitness purchase, Mike? Um, anything else to add to this? Um, I would say not recent, but I've had it for quite a while. If people are in a setup kind of like you have, Lonnie, the neutral grip Viking press bar. I know Black Widow Training Gear makes one. I think Titan makes one too. It feels really nice. And you don't even need a landmine. There's a little, it's called like a two-pipe adapter. So if you take the side piece of the rack, you slide this pipe adapter on, and then you can put at 90 degrees, run the bar through it. That allows you to adjust that point up higher. So I'll have like the pivot point, yeah, a little bit maybe, you know, below shoulder level, somewhere around there. And it it feels really nice. I was kind of surprised that it feels pretty good. Um, kind of more, almost like a machine press. But a lot of the machine press stuff I don't care for, probably because I have long monkey arms. Mm-hmm. Um, but that one feels really good. Um, 
not too expensive either, which is kind of nice. Uh, other stuff I've gotten recently, semi-recently, I got two uh, Thomas Inch uh, dumbbell inch replicas. So for people who don't know, it's a solid cast dumbbell with uh, about a two and three eighths inch handle. It's like the size of a pop can. So I have one now that's 135 pounds, and then I've got uh, one that's close to the actual Thomas Inch, which is 175. Uh, local guy Jason Adamski actually made them. Uh, so that's been super fun. Uh, what else? I got a something that's kind of different if people are into more grip stuff, but they don't know where to start and they just want some accessory. It's called a wrist wrench. This is from Arm Assassins from Lucas there. And it's pretty ingenious. So what they did is they have this cylinder and they have webbing that wraps around it. And then you attach it to just weight at the bottom. So when you're pulling it, you've got the thicker uh, size, and you can get them in different sizes. But because of the webbing wraps around it, you have this unique, just massive torque through your hand. And it's just oh. really different. Like, I can't find anything else that I get that kind of torque through the hand. Mm-hmm. Because of the webbing, it's wanting to rip it off on the one side. Um, so that's been pretty fun. Uh, people are looking for weird uh, grip stuff that may have a high transfer to a lot of their other lifts because i mean doing grippers and stuff like that i think is fun if you're into it but at some point i just don't see much transfer to any of your other lifts or your your life really <laughs> and yeah and then the last one i got just recently on our trip we stopped in at on again i talked to my good buddy john wolf there and picked up a, a set of club bells so we have two five pound ones two ten pound ones for more mobility and then i got just a single 20 pound one so in the morning, I've been taking the five or 10 pound ones, just doing some light mobility stuff out here in the yard. And that's been good, just getting different movement, different off axis movement. And the part that I kind of, I think, underestimated about club bells is that I should have, I knew it, but it's kind of when you feel it, it's because you're holding it at the end, you've got a lever arm. So 10 pounds isn't really that heavy. Um, but when you're holding it at the end now, your wrist and your hand has to stabilize it all the time. So for both pronation, supiation, what's called radial and ulnar deviation, so moving your wrist that other direction, so to speak, uh, they work really nice because of the leverage on it. There's not You don't need anything that's super heavy. Just by putting your hands in different positions, you get a lot of those things I find that I'm sometimes missing just in general, especially even with clients, I'm going to start using them because most clients are, have a lot of what I call mouseitis in their hands and their forearms get super tight and their wrists and fingers are just stuck in the same position all the time. And it gets some good shoulder mobility and just general mobility. And it's just kind of fun too. I think doing different movements and just making stuff up too for, I just been doing five to 10 minutes in the morning. It's been super nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you're mentioning shoulder mobility. This sounds, this might sound funny because I remember this from the from the 80s and 90s. <laughs> but I bought an arm blaster. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, cause, you know, at first my son was like, "Why do you do that?" You know, I'm like, "Well, <laughs> you got to understand." Like when I do dumbbell curls, um, if I use the 40s or 50 pound dumbbells when I'm doing curl, my shoulders hurt. They grind mm-hmm. and. I've noticed if I keep my elbows really back against my body, it doesn't happen. So I thought this might be a way for me to keep the the weight up. Because what I don't want to do is age 
and just use lighter and lighter weights. I mean, that's just going to guarantee I'm going to get smaller and smaller, you know, or weaker. So I'm going to play around with an arm blaster for almost orth- orthopedic reasons, and we'll see if, if this helps at all. Um, it wasn't expensive. I thought, why not? You know, it's something I can just hang on the wall in the gym. Um, yeah. What would be uh, interesting, too, is to, to do the opposite also and take a, a really light weight and do a drag curl. So where you're, for, for listeners, you have, a, imagine doing a barbell curl, but now keep the barbell next to your torso the entire time. And then I got this from my buddy Adam Glass, who's been on the show before. I'll have clients do isometric stops with it. So come a third of the way up and then pull it down and back against your torso and then come another third of the way up, pull down and back. Almost more of a mobility back, uh, long head of the bicep type thing to mm-hmm. get your arm behind you and try to get some of that mobility range of motion back too would be interesting. Yeah, I, I do. Uh, sometimes I'll do drag curls. Uh, I, I like the feel of the more rotational, you know, out away from your body. I feel like yeah. it. It's affecting like the biceps insertion a little bit more. Like I, I, you I don't know feel more biceps doing that. I agree. Yeah, uh, but you're right. I mean, it's it's freaking brilliant. I remember even like Linda Murray and some of the old bodybuilding, uh, you know, with female champions of old. They they would talk about drag curls. Um, definitely an option. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the Vince Ronda one, I think, if I remember right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other the other major thing I got, other than just some clips and collars and stuff, was uh, I have a short basement, and I don't know if any listeners like I don't live in what I call a McMansion, right? I live in a century <laughs> home that I have remodeled, and the basement is low ceiling, you know, uh, mm-hmm. like I cannot stand up and do overhead presses, right, mm-hmm. in my in yeah. my basement, um, but I can put the bar on the very top of the rack. And I bought a pulley system, just a cable pulley system. Maybe I'll put the link on YouTube so people can look at this one. I just browsed around for some of these. A lot of these are inexpensive. and <clears throat> But, you know, it had a coupon, and it's um, it, it's four and a half out of five stars with a couple hundred ratings. Okay, you know, it's probably not junk. Like, I'd be afraid the steel would be crappy and the yeah. – or, or the Velcro that you attach the pulley you know, cause my my intent is to either attach it to the rafters or attach it just to literally use the Velcro attachment and wrap it around the Olympic bar that I have at the top of my power rack, and so I can do some triceps push downs. Or mm-hmm. I, I got a um, I got a pull down just wide bar, that kind of stuff, just so I can expand what I'm able to do. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, with squat, like legs, squats is what I do. Squats yeah. and, and you know that's and squats. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and so I want to be able to do like other things instead of just, um, you know, skull crushers or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just have some options. I like doing high rep push downs, you know, get a yeah. nice big yes. pump in your triceps yeah. and stuff. It's fun. Um, so I'm going to, I'll dabble around the brand. Let's see here is Riai, R-I-I-A-I. You know, you see a lot of these, what I assume are Chinese products, you know, flooding the market. And I'm always wondering, is it cheap? Is it not? In fact, I just spoke to someone who's a marketing expert in China, and she was saying a lot of people in China, if they see made in China, they don't want to buy it. And I'm like, wow. (laughs) You know, I mean, because, you know, here in the States, I think we at least want to say, oh, made in America. That that should give you some a positive feeling. Um, And they're like, man, if it's made here, I don't want it, you know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
so and again that's just one person's opinion but she she's a pretty high-end marketing expert anyway yeah and it's got the little y strap you know because i like to be able to have the different things um as far as what i'm grasping you know when i do push downs or you know uh, or pull downs or whatever so I'm I'm just nerdy excited to mess around with this pulley system. They even suggest in some ways that you can attach it to things at the ground and do, you know, like cable curls kind of thing. Um, okay, you know, so I'll give everybody a report on what I think about this. I, I spent like a grand total of 140 bucks on everything I bought. So this is <laughs> low-end home stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like I said, if it's four and a half out of five stars with a couple hundred ratings, um, I, obviously I'm not going to pull the trigger on something. Oh, it's five out of five stars with eight ratings. It's like, yeah, all the employees from the company. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of bogus, but you know, I'll, I'll get a shot. I, I even bought a, a crappy pair of, uh, knee wraps until I can get a, a better pair. Um, not because I'm squatting that heavy, uh, these days, but my, left knee is really shot and it just feels better to compress it but i just bought some crappy ones of those um anyway mark uh spud bartley i've got his uh pulley system and i've had it for almost like two years now and i love it it's especially if you have a power rack just being able to add like you said Lonnie, that variety like press downs have been super helpful especially with uh, when i was stuck in lockdown doing more bench press stuff that was really nice and face pulls all that kind of stuff Another tip, too, that's pretty inexpensive, that all of them will kind of tend to swing. So I bought a, a bottom attachment that allows you to bring the cable a little bit closer to the bottom. Yes. Just for my setup works better. Mm-hmm. And then to prevent it from kind of swinging as much, you can buy just a light or cheap chain that's moderately heavy and have that drape off of the side. So the chain will stay in contact with the floor. You get a little progressive oh. resistance, too clever and, and that mm-hmm. prevents enough friction and weight just to prevent it from swinging around as much too so right no that's right because that was my concern too it's like yeah. take taking this poor man's approach i don't have it's not sliding up and down guides like i take mm-hmm. advantage right. you know, i take for granted in the gym and yeah the the if i just the lower strap the attachment to the weight it's literally just a strap mm-hmm. yeah and it's going to swing all over the place i love the chain idea totally doing that yep. <laughs> yeah yeah so I have a, a couple of different weighted chains and then I've got some that hang down farther so I can just clip them on and clip them off if I'm, you know, changing between press downs and then face pulls or overhead tricep extensions or, or what have you. And that works out pretty good. Right. Um, just to wrap up, have you guys uh, on the off chance bought anything in the last year or so for like um, nutrition, food, kitchen stuff? Fruit trees. I planted a bunch of more fruit trees this year. Nice. So that would be nutrition okay. things. Hell yeah. yeah. So, okay. So what do we have? We have pears, plums, cherries, apples, and nectar plums now. So, nectar plums? <laughs> nectar plum. It's a hybrid nectar hybrid. plum. Yeah. So I'm interested in that. But uh, yeah, we're 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 slowly planting a, a huge orchard. So we just gave up on planting anything that doesn't give food back to us. So everything we plant, <laughs> everything we plant gives back. Right. Absolutely. So, well, and this last year, I it was the first year. Like I have walnut trees all over my property and i was like we've been wasting these every year so i collected a big barrel of them just to see how it went oh they're delicious so we're gonna really go all in. yeah nice. we're gonna go all in and mm. collect all the walnuts next year so yeah we've been cracking walnuts i had to get their black walnuts which i didn't know are mm. 
a lot tougher. I had to get like this commercial cracker thing, but because if not, you're just, you're basically using a hammer. Oh, you got walnut all over the place. But, uh, yeah, I got this big, absurdly absurd cracker that has like a foot and a half handle and (laughs) it pops them. So, but, oh man, they're delicious. So that'd be my, my food purchase is that. Right. Well, we bought we bought percolator coffee makers for camping, and now we're going to use them in the house because we loved them so much. Really? But, yeah, those old school percolators. Yeah, oh, right. man, it was yeah. so amazing. Huh. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a French press, but you don't boil the water before and then pour right. it in. It does it all <laughs> at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But well, that's good stuff. If if yeah. society ever collapses, I'm going to yep. come visit. I'm going to exactly. come visit. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, what about you, Mike? Uh, kitchen, gadget, or food, or nutrition, anything? Uh, a couple of things. Like I said, I started playing around with some more beetroot again. I've done yeah. that off and on over the years, um, so that's been interesting. And also bought some a powdered Makai berry, M-A-Q-U-I. Uh, I usually try to rotate through some kind of weird, I hate the word superfood, but you know something that's just a little bit more exotic that has some interesting data on it and yeah uh, it's like the second time i've tried this one uh, there's been a couple companies that come out with it as a bodybuilding supplement once in a while but never really catches on there's some interesting mouse data on it uh, one of them here is looking at uh, helps with uh, subcutaneous white adipose tissue and insulin resistance in fat induced uh, obese mice hmm. so again the mouse study yeah. Um, but it looks like it may help kind of brown some white adipose tissue. Who knows if the mouse studies translate to humans? Most of the time they don't. Right. But uh, there's some other good data showing that it is bioavailable in humans. Has some very that's in the kind of anthrocyanide population, the berry population. So love it. Yeah. So just been adding that to the the super shakes, and then. The big thing we got probably a year ago is we got one of uh, had upgrade the grills. So we got one of the new uh, Traeger grills. It's a wood pellet grill, and oh. that's been awesome. So you can set it at it's almost like a more of a convection oven that runs on wood <laughs> than anything else, and you can program it. So we've been playing around with different steaks. So I'll put it on there. Put the rub on the steak. I've been doing a coffee. Uh, salt and chili powder rub recently that's been pretty good put that on the steaks and then we'll put them on there at 220 put it on like super high smoke until it gets to an internal temperature of 130 then i'll take them off let them rest for 15 minutes turn the grill up to 500 and then we'll reverse sear them at that point to whatever internal temperature we want let them sit for a few minutes and uh that's turned out really good, and it's <laughs> super easy to do. You're such an engineer, Mike. You know, you're like, yeah. I, I, I record the pet temperature here, here, and here in yep. the process. <laughs> Let me draw a schematic of the of, of protocol cartoon. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, uh, and that's what's wonderful that you can play around with all that stuff. And what's, I mean, I mean, I've used to cooking on that old propane grill forever, and I got pretty good at that. It's not hard, but it's weird not to look at it during the process. Right, because on a propane grill, you're always kind of going out and checking it, and there's spots in the grill that are hot, and your temps changing. And with this, it's just so controlled. You just literally just set it at different temperatures and see what happens. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yep. 
That's cool. I can't say kitchen-wise I bought really anything. Uh, I've really expanded over the last two years, I guess, the the ways I can brew coffee. And now I'm curious about what Phil's talking about. because I've I've been looking at those little ways to make uh, cafe cubano, you know the the, the little metal oct- octagonal things. I, I don't know much about them, but I'm always looking at different ways to brew coffee. But most mm-hmm. recently, it's like I'm digging the French press. You know, yep. I bought a Chemex, which is worth mm-hmm. it just for like a whole. Pot. It's basically pour over for a whole pot. Mm-hmm. But it's the kind of thing where even if you're not a coffee snob. Like I got my parents over. My mom's like, "That's really smooth. What is that?" I'm like, "It's the way I brewed it. It's not. Mm-hmm. A, it's not a different coffee, you know." Because the trick I think with a lot of that stuff is, you put um, not boiling, b- below boiling water. You soak the grounds in it. Not not that it's trickling through, but just to soak it, you leave it sit for a minute or so. Then you then you start you know pouring the hot water in and actually filtering through and making the coffee. And oh man. It's yeah, yeah, it's just it's good stuff, but yeah, I'm all about the different ways. Cold brew, um, yeah. uh, any because each one of these, you know, the different temperatures of water extract different parts of the you know the coffee phytochemicals at different points, and it, it sometimes it's actually noticeable. Um, I'm not like I said, you don't have to be a snob looking at that um, specialty coffee association flavor wheel, which is fascinating, but most people can't. You know, you start in the middle of this wheel and you it radiates outwards. So you're like, is that does it have berry notes or is it more roasty and toasty? You know, mm-hmm. but then the wheel just gets more and more complex. Like, is the roasty toasty like burnt bread or is it like nuts over you know chestnuts over mm-hmm. an open fire? The bear the fruit. Oh, it's, I got fruit notes. Is it citrus? Is it berry? And then they go from berry to is it more blueberry or black raspberry? I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a super taster. I I, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> but it's good. Yeah. Uh, but that'd probably be the thing that I'm playing with the most: the different kinds of, um, you know, brew methods and stuff. Yeah, that's fun. We've done that too. I mean, I still like French press because I like some of the kind of oils in that, for right. lack of a not coffee wheel taste, like more coffee taste. Mm-hmm. But we've taken the same coffee and I've done it. Uh, we've got a pour over here too with one of the metal filters, and the pour over. I like with some other types of coffee, and like you said, Lonnie, it's very, for lack of a better word, it's cleaner. You don't get as much of the oils. It's usually smoother, a little bit lighter. So it, I was surprised that it does make a pretty palatable difference that most people could tell a difference too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, good stuff. I mean, yeah. that's yeah. recent buys and whys. So I guess that's all we've got this time. Uh, we will. Uh, catch up with everybody next week have a good one see ya Iron Radio is accepting donations if you like what we do the professors the scientists the bodybuilding show promoters the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding um Please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet, 
or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.